Welcome into Sports Talk. It is the Tuesday edition. With Lauren Tate here in the first hour, I am Scott Beatty, and we're glad you are with us on this fine fall afternoon, Lauren Tate. 94 degrees, just like you think of in mid-September. Everything just sizzling today, but it's going to be a little cooler for Thursday night football. That's good. Yep, high of 70 during the day on Thursday, so I imagine we'll be quite comfortable. You may even want something long sleeve by the time you're at Memorial Stadium on Thursday night. Yeah, I think so, especially when you're going to be home, going home at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesdays mean Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. He'll join us here this hour. Next hour, Evan Kahn is in. we got plenty to talk about today as uh, Illinois sort of in this limbo stage with an odd schedule, getting ready for this game against Chattanooga on Thursday night. And the baseball races are coming down to the wire. The Cardinals tonight in San Diego. Adam Wainwright will start out there in SoCal. And it Nobody could be the- ever talks about it. But Juan Soto has been terrible. <laughs> I mean, I thought he had a good a, week or something. I think he did. Been, he bounced back a little yeah. bit. But he, I, well, I, I heard the other day that he, he was like five for fifty or something like yeah. that. I mean, he. I mean, and he it was. He's batting around two thirty, two forty. I mean, come on, this, this is a guy that's, you know, is worth millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, and ought to teach these owners not to pay the players until after the season. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that would be more fair. When when the season's over, we will distribute the money according to your production. Exactly. Exactly. How this about is a that? merit-based system here. <laughs> but, you know, everybody was really, I mean, it really took a lot of pressure off off the Cardinals for not having, when they had a shot at him, when when they didn't uh, go all in and give up uh, some players who absolutely have been terrible for the Cardinals. I mean, Gorman can't hit either. He got optioned today. Gorman got optioned? I think so, yeah. I missed that. Where I, That snuck up on me. I thought I just saw that. Now you're going to. Okay. Now I got to. Well, I I thought I was up to date on breaking news, but I guess I'm not. Yeah. When you say he was optioned, you mean he sent yep. back down to to uh, Memphis? Yeah, the cards have just recalled uh, Juan Yepes and optioned second baseman Nolan Gorman to Triple A. Yeah, that's too bad because you know. He he turned out to be a pretty good second baseman, yeah. surprisingly, having never played the position in a previous year. But uh, he's got to be able to make contact with the ball, and he was striking out, striking out, striking out. And Yepes is is a better contact hitter. But, I mean, I don't know what happened. Uh, that's just... Uh, uh, he's a guy. They just they didn't have a choice. It, it was, it's almost like the, the situation at shortstop. You know, DeYoung just can't hit. I mean, <laughs> you, you want him to be able to make contact, and, and he has that little spurt, and you think he's back, and then the next thing you know, he's over for something. Cardinals will have a taxi squad as they're out there in uh, in San Diego, so that's a big one. And then the the White Sox are on the ropes. They really are. But they got to win the series, but they really need to sweep against Cleveland, so that starts tonight. You'll hear it here in DWS. White Sox five games out, over. They win three out of four. I think it's a three-gamer. Three-game series. Well, they got to win two out of three then. Yeah, but and I really they only think... pick up one game. Yeah, I think they really got to sweep because then you pick up three. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're behind, what, four games? So if you want to join the program, you can. It's 217-356-9397. And the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217 Robert Rosenthal will join us here uh, in a little bit, and we'll get his thoughts on Illinois football and beyond. You might be smelling some blood in the water. 
too, after the weekend that was for the Big Ten, or not. I mean, Indiana won technically. Northwestern got beat by Southern Illinois. Uh, it, overall, just wasn't a great weekend for the Big Ten. Penn State looked good, though. Well, Penn, you know, the, the three big teams are back. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are all clearly better than anybody else in the Big Ten, period. Now, uh, Maryland's got a chance to, to, to prove differently. And Maryland has got some offense, but uh, I don't think that they've come within 20 points of Michigan ever, have they, in recent years? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tim is with us on the phone lines. Tim. Hey, you're, man. You're joining hey, us on Sports. Hey, Lauren, Lauren I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. We have a great schedule this year because we have two buys. Yep. We have two games at home, back-to-back. And then our, our away games, if we could, you know, they always say once or twice a year a team or a coach can get up a team for a game. And, and with Brett going back to Wisconsin on the first, I'm, I'm giving him the win Thursday night. I guess I shouldn't, but we got two home games. Iowa can't score. And Minnesota's got, what, three or four six-year players. Um Tanner Morgan is, looks like PJ Flex. Yeah, brother. be careful. Be careful. I know, but <laughs> I, I was looking at. They got Ibrahim back, and he like, is a ton. Well, and, you know, Morgan's play playing okay. I mean, they haven't played anybody. You're right. Illinois seems to play them. They're not playing Kent Kinsman from the 70s. He's yeah. not going to score, run for 300 yards. But. I was looking. Looks like we played them 18 times for homecoming, the most of any Big Ten school. And I hope someone look would look that up. But then we have Nebraska. So where does that put us? We got Michigan State and Purdue in November at home. And we go to Michigan. So I think Illinois' schedule looks really favorable because we don't know what's going to happen. But. I think the coach can get his team up for Wisconsin. So I want you to talk about the schedule and the game. We, we've lost Indiana. We need to get one back on the road at Wisconsin. And well, you, you, thanks, can't, you can't go in three against the Eastern Division. You just can't. And they've already gone 0-1. And uh, Michigan is going to be a tall task, that's for sure. So the Michigan State game talk. What, what you're basically talking about? If you really get up for the games, that means you're going to be in them in the fourth quarter, and then one one or the other somebody will win the game with a last pass or something. I, I don't see Illinois burying any of those teams, and I don't see those teams burying Illinois. I don't know. Other if, than Michigan, maybe. I don't know if he was implying this, but I do not think getting up, getting the players up for Wisconsin has anything to do with the fact that he formerly coached there. None of them were. They, they were ten years old. <laughs> when Bielma was a coach in Wisconsin. The advantage to playing Wisconsin that week is because they play Ohio State on Saturday night, and that's a tough game to come off of. Mm-hmm. But uh, Wisconsin regularly beats Illinois, routinely beats Illinois, except a couple years ago. We kicked a field goal on the last play and beat them. The and Packers beat the Bears, upset. and the Badgers usually beat the Illini. That's just the way of the football yeah, ecosystem right. right now. But remember, five times in this in this 
this year, I mean this this century, five times in this century, the Bears beat Rodgers. <laughs> Twenty-three times he beat them, but how many times has Illinois beaten Wisconsin though in this century? Oh boy, not many. Yeah, it's yeah. they're they're just simply better. Yeah, um, it is a funky schedule with this Thursday standalone game. Brett Bielma weighed in on the setup with that. Last uh, just a, uh, recently, uh, when we asked him about it, I came out of the Indiana game last week, and I made a very specific point to our coaches, in particular. Uh, I just thought we were loose with the ball on the perimeter on the edges, and and you know it's one thing to talk about ball security and coach it, but they got to hear you. They have to understand it. You can't just speak it, you know, and and expect them to understand it, right? Like so, we have to do a better job of that. That was a very emphatic point I made on Sunday. Um, if you watched the game last night, right, we got done and. I got a chance uh, to sit down and watch uh, a couple of my former players, and and you saw the Seahawks really, you know, turn the ball over inside the red area, which is the difference in the game, right? So, okay, I don't really think he's talking about the Thursday standalone game there, but <laughs> we appreciate you weighing in with your thoughts there, anyway, Brett, on the, on that one. But nonetheless, um, you know, he's he's said that he doesn't care for the lack of routine compared to the normal rhythm, but then again, you he get, loves sure, those extra days, yeah, especially when you're going to go face Wisconsin. Especially when you're going to go face Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, at Camp Randall. 11 a.m. kick, by the way, early slot mm-hmm. for Illinois on October 1st. And, and, and when, when we hit October 1st, no more messing around. Saturday games, all Big Ten. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready for it. And there's not a – unless you – I guess you could consider Nebraska and, and Northwestern less than – powerful teams uh, i mean honestly they aren't very good it uh, doesn't mean they can't beat illinois no. but, but uh, uh every week's going to be a test and we got to keep that running back healthy chase brown is key to that team got to keep our quarterback healthy Boy, we haven't even seen any other quarterback yet this year that matters i mean more than a couple snaps yeah Bazelak could throw it a little bit he could sling it in the moment but he wasn't an overwhelming. No, I meant any of our quarterbacks, other than Devito. We need to keep him oh, healthy. Oh, you're because, right. You're right. I see. Uh, Sitkowski yeah. is capable. We know, but he's he hasn't had he hasn't had really any. He had he did go four for four in that uh, in that first game against Wyoming, but uh, that was at the end of the game. Sure. If you have anything else you have on your mind, 217-351-5357. That's our text line. And if you've got any uh, questions on the phone line, 217-356-9397. Um, if Illinois wins, they'll be halfway to bowl eligibility. So there's something about that. And, um, well, I mean, we were talking ahead of the show. I, I, I don't know that this is a six-inch gimme putt. By any means. Oh no! I mean, there's just you're seeing too much. You're seeing too many games that uh, don't make sense to think that this game's going to make sense. Maybe it will, and maybe it won't. But this is a better team than some. This is a top ten team in FCS. This is a team that is on the edge of becoming FBS and joining the the 131 teams that are uh, in the major conf- major college uh, football. And probably uh, Chattanooga within the next few years will move up, I imagine. At least they're trying to. Yeah. Headline, Chattanooga isn't just any old FCS team. And neither was SIU, apparently, against Northwestern. (laughs) Although Northwestern, uncharacteristically having a bad start after having a bad year. (laughs) 
But they always start every, worse than they finish. I was going to say that. Every year they lose a game, it seems to me, that they shouldn't lose. I mean, really shouldn't lose. And I'm not sure. Somebody came up with a record of what they've done since Hankowitz left as the defensive coordinator. And he was tremendous. And they are losing so many more games now than when he was coaching. I don't mean to take anything away from the head coach, but no. but he was the defensive coordinator, and he made a difference, and he retired. All right, Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com is up next. We're off and running here on Sports Talk. Coach Bielma today talking about Chattanooga and uh, whether or not he has to help his players avoid the the, the trap game, if you will, the, oh, it's just an FCS program. He's having none of that FCS talk, Robert Rosenthal. Don't even use those letters around him, <laughs> it sounds like. Great to have you with us here on Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Scott Beatty, and Robert Rosenthal, publisher of IlliniBoard.com. By the way, I think you could also publish IlliniBeard.com. But that. I'll, I'll go see if the domain is available. Well, Twins.com finally got <coughs> sold so the Minnesota Twins could have that. That was held by a pair of twins since 1995. And you, if anyone has IlliniBeard.com, <laughs> they're well, waiting for you. They will before I get off the air here, so <laughs> it's going to be useless. Uh, you said last week with us, or maybe it was two weeks ago, that you said uh, you're not overlooking Chattanooga either, and and Lauren Tate, you're not overlooking them either. So there. Well, I, I think it's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous to do that. I mean, Illinois is good. They're not so good. They can overlook anybody, really. Well, that's true. Uh, but I, I do look. It's a problem if Illinois can't win the game. But I don't know that it's sixty-three to nothing type of win for <laughs> Illinois. Definitely not. Yeah, they. You know. These games have gotten a lot different than even, I don't know, 25 years ago. You know, I feel like maybe it was the spread offense. Maybe it was just some changes that, that happened then. But, you know, these upsets wouldn't have happened 25 years ago. It was just it was just a strength and conditioning program thing. It was the big programs would just run over the little programs kind of thing. It's not the case anymore. Everybody's able to build a system and build a thing and have a way to attack you and um you know, their their athletes, uh, you know, even the FCS programs have strength and conditioning programs that can rival the bigger schools and such. And there's transfers. There's transfers down to FCS. There's a guy at, you know, Michigan State or whatever who finds himself third on the depth chart. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to get any snaps here, but I want to want to play college football. And he goes down to an FCS school and he finds a spot. And, you know, as Coach Bielma mentioned today, they had a first round draft pick last year. So, you know, there's there's places and there's schools that can do that. And this is a team ranked in the top 10 of that uh, division. So it's someone nobody can overlook. They are coming off a, a win, but they are coming off a game on Saturday. So they have very short rest. That's one factor, probably in favor of Illinois. Yeah, everything favors Illinois as, as far as the scheduling is concerned. Illinois had extra time, and they've had less time. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, this the schedule. And plus, Illinois is healthy right now. Yeah, as healthy as they're going to be, they're not going to have Josh McCray this week. But they're going to they're, they're going to put a team out there that's more healthier than we can normally expect for the fourth game. What's the intrigue of this game? Bottom line. Because a game, if this is opening week, it's still the, wow, we get to see them for the first time. We get to see what they look like. This just feels like a placeholder until conference play starts. Yeah, I mean, to me, 
the the fascinating thing about that answer you just played, and I think that was actually after I had asked the trap game question. Yes, um, was um, you know he mentioned last year uh, before the Northwestern game, and he said this several times this off season is the thing I realized about the Northwestern game is we didn't respect them like the the environment i stepped into here it was like they shouldn't win they're our rival we were always historically better than them there was no healthy respect for northwestern in this in this building when i took over the job is how he said it basically and he said we we've got to respect our opponents first so his answer today was that same kind of thing of you know, a healthy respect for the team on the other side, because that's the that's the mental side of this game. You know, everybody, you know, mentions the Ray Elliott proper state of mind speech. That's that's the point of that speech is that, you know, that's his his famous send Amici at me story. Lauren, I know, you know, the story of, you know, he when he would talk to high school coaches or everyone else, he would say, like, the biggest challenge I have with my teams is getting them mentally prepared to go hard every play to be in the proper state of mind to play a football game because if you go at 75% or if you think hey these guys are nothing um, well we've seen a thousand examples of how people can do that so uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued by how Brett Bielema is so focused on look you need to respect every opponent what was this quote there respect everyone and fear none fear none um, you know that's that's a big thing for him on the mental side of things that he wants uh, no complacency and no, hey, we're the better team. None of that, just a week by week. Um, I respect this opponent, and they're undefeated, and that's hard to do, and we're going to have a battle on Thursday night. Well, Robert, uh, as you analyze the team, uh, how are they different right now than maybe you thought they would be for the fourth game? Where are they stronger? Where are they weaker? Um, I'm very, very surprised by the defense being this good with all the players they lost. I mean, you know, we have to mention, you know, Rod Perry played his mm-hmm. first NFL game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if we just, we list the players who left the defense, Owen Carney, Rod Perry, Isaiah Gay, mm-hmm. Jake Hansen and Kalen Tolson at linebacker, Tony Adams at corner, Kirby Joseph at safety, who was a, you know, first team all Big Ten player. You lose all of those guys and to almost be better on defense, that's, pretty incredible that's a very surprising thing to me and Um, several of those guys are playing in the nfl yes 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 a lot of times you'll see you'll lose those nfl guys you'll lose a kirby you'll lose you know you'll lose your key linebacker your leading tackler whatever and there's just a drop off because it's a really hard guy to replace there was a bunch of hard guys to replace here tony adams played a lot of football here um and uh for for the defense to at least through three games statistically be a little better than the end of last year uh is the biggest surprise for me as we looked at this two years ago you could visualize this as being the down year yes and we were totally wrong yes Uh, and because of some people became became better football players, particularly those two tackles than we ever dreamed they could be, the defensive tackles. Yep. And uh, because of the the way that the defensive backfield has evolved, I think it's amazing. I just wonder now, can they do that again next year? Because you're going to lose at least three or four of those defensive backs, and you're going to lose. Uh, you're going to lose. There's a chance you're going to lose one of those tackles, or maybe both, to the to the NFL. Right. Right. I mean, 
you know, Coach Beal would mention that as a, you know, nice problem to have. The more guys they have, you know, leaving earlier, this and that, the more attractive a destination you are. But yes, you're right. I don't think Illinois is at a point where you can lose key players every year and just rebuild. You know, the biggest thing that sticks out to me, you mentioned two years ago, you know, the, <laughs> Let's think of the Northwestern game at the end of the COVID year, or even that Penn State game, that final week when, you know, they played the bonus game at Penn State the day Bielma was actually hired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in games like that, it's, you know, that, that defense was porous, porous. Oh, like that, by that the defense, end of the game, they, you, yeah. could, you could have walked through them. Yes. And to see more or less that same core group of players mm-hmm. turned into what this is right now 16 games later is mm-hmm. impressive now obviously you know somebody plays as a you know Devin Witherspoon's a freshman in that game and now he's a junior and he's a lot better and that happens you know you're better your junior year than you are your freshman year but the amount of improvement we've seen so far is is uh impressive to take that same defense that Gosh, Illinois went up, what, 21-14 in that game or whatever with the mm-hmm. two quick turnovers or however it worked. And then, um, you know, Penn State just rolled, and I don't think they punted in the second half. So to to go from that to where we are 16, 17 games later is, is kind of crazy. Well, I, I, I've said it before. It does show Lovey Smith could had had an eye for talent, but he just could not get a system going defensively that worked at Illinois at least. Yeah, I mean, there was that stretch in the second half of of 2019 where things looked headed really in the right direction, and um, then the last three games of that year fell apart, and then it just didn't recover in 2020. So it's it's uh, it's very interesting, you know. Again, we like we talked last week. We've seen Indiana start three and zero. Indiana could go three and nine, and then we realize, oh, Indiana wasn't that good. That should have been a game Illinois won easily. You know, Indiana has is very is inches is probably two plays from from being a one and two football team this year. So it's possible. It's possible Virginia is a you know a. a two and ten football team this year and we watch them getting blown out by a bunch of people in october and then we say oh well okay that makes sense so we still need more information i think we're going to learn a lot at wisconsin in in two weeks um and hopefully we don't learn anything bad on thursday night (laughs) robert rosenthal is here with us on sports talk and we're going to continue our conversation right after the We're having a Tuesday edition of Sports Talk with Lauren Tate of Scott Beatty here on DWS, News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. Robert Rosenthal, our guest here on Tuesdays from IlliniBoard.com. Not beard yet. IlliniBoard.com. One letter off there in the wordle. <laughs> After the Virginia win for Illinois, uh, Robert, you tweeted uh, pool party. It's 94 degrees today, and I heard you saying something about it before. So you actually do have a pool? Yes, yes, yes. Lauren's been there. Oh. Lauren's never been in the pool, but we've sat on the deck there and talked football. Okay. I I might have snuck in your pool when you were gone. That's a good point. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. That's true. It is true. He will call me and say, like, hey, I'm in your driveway, and I look out there, and he's in the driveway. He's wanting to hit golf balls. Well, it's nice of you to, it's nice of him to call you when he's in his, in your driveway. When he's in mine, he doesn't say anything. He just lurks around the yard. That's right. Um, but I mean, is this intentional that you have a pool or was it accidental when you, I honestly was accidental because it's still the rental house we rented when we moved up here. Uh, and it was middle of COVID and we didn't know if we should buy a house or what to do. So we rented a house and, and, uh, 
yeah, it's got a pool and we really like it and we've just kept extending the lease kind of thing as we, you know, decide what we want to do in Champagne. So it's a, it's a nice bonus. Well, so. given the weather forecast, I'd extend that lease at least through tomorrow and then yes. Thursday gets cold. Thursday gets cold and we cover the pool and that's it for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking online eye football, um, uh, Brett Bielma did make mention of because this is the fourth game, and as you may recall, uh, the rule changed about redshirting a few years ago. Now you can appear in four, up to four games without it costing you a season of eligibility. So that particularly is in play, usually for the true freshman who gets some time uh, on the field. So here we come up on game number four. How does Brett Bielma approach the red shirts this year? Some of it's pretty easy. Um, you know, for instance, uh, I took James Crutes out of the lineup, right, um, and put Jared Beatty into the lineup. Um, so Crutes, he had played three three games. I told him when the, when the season started, my intent was to play him for three to the bye week and see where we're at. Um, and then, you know, I have kind of four guys in that window. I got uh, Crutes, Jared Beatty, uh, uh, Malachi Hood, um, and Luke Zardzen is another guy that um, possibly could pop into that mix. And I really wanted to use those guys in a four-game rotation to see kind of exactly where we are uh, with them playing-wise. Obviously, Jared was injured, so he couldn't go, but he'll play uh, in the game on Thursday night. Cruci won't. Um, so sometimes it's just simple math, but a guy like, uh, you know, like uh, 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 Hank Beatty, um, obviously uh, Gabe Ackes, Matt uh, Bailey, those guys, they're playing, right? And, and unless something changes uh, dramatically, those guys are going to play in every game and see where they go. So uh, it's a little bit kind of individual case scenario. I think one of the great things the NCAA did is allowed us to play these freshmen in four games, and it kind of allows them to see it, get their feet wet. But if they're not really playing from the line of scrimmage, um, unless we just want to totally use their year because of a, of a busting situation, you can rotate them in and let them get the field of college football for four games. There you go. What are your thoughts on that, Robert? I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, you know, when the, when that, in 2018, when that new rule came in, you can play four games and still redshirt. There's a lot of discussion on how teams would use it. Um, for say in Alabama, you know, this discussion centered around is this like September call-ups in baseball kind of thing. Alabama has some freshmen they're planning to redshirt. They're playing some guys, but there's others that they're redshirting. We'll save them until maybe the final game, maybe the Auburn game, and then you play those guys in Auburn, and then you know you play it at the SEC championship game, and then both of the playoff games you have a full roster. So it would allow Alabama to just say we're going to hold on to these guys, but now they can still play in these last four games in redshirt. We're going full roster with everybody. We can do that. Well, didn't uh, I see uh, Robert that the, that uh, if you, that the the four games only 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 matters for the first twelve. That I, I thought I saw where the, the if they play in the playoff, they're they're not allowed. That that I didn't allowed. see. I think you're allowed to play up, but it doesn't game. count against your redshirt. I don't think I do, and I, mm. I'm out here saying that this, I don't know. Yes, I have to read. I look, uh, look. I thought I read that yeah. the other day. Yeah, the 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 point I was getting at is like, do you use it as a like he's mentioned there? Okay, we're gonna play. James Crutes at linebacker for four games, and then we might play Malachi Hood at linebacker for four games, and we're going to see what those guys have. And, you know, each of them gets a little window so we can get them on film and evaluate how they did. And, you know, okay, now let's get Jared Beatty out there for his four games, and let's see what that looks like on film. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's an outside linebacker, not inside linebacker, but mm-hmm. they can, you know, see what he has, and maybe he doesn't. So it sounds like he has two categories. He has one category with Matt Bailey, Hank Beatty, and Gabe Akis, which is 
these guys are helping us right now. We're going to play them every game. And then he's got this other category of, I'm going to play these guys here. You know, Hunter Whitenack has played two games. Magnus Moller uh, is, or Mountus, sorry, Mountus Moller has played one game. You know, he, he'll fill in some guys here and get them on, on to film. And then they make a decision whether they want this year to count for them and play them in a fifth game or whether they don't. And that's, it's just always been fascinating to me how coaches are going to approach it. Cause you can't, you could look at your entire freshman roster if you want just by putting them out there on kickoff teams and seeing what they look like on film and, you know, kind of get their feet wet on game day and get them, you know, acclimated to college football and the speed of things, uh, and then use them the next year uh, as a redshirt. But he has a philosophy. The assumption has got to be that you're going to use these guys for five years. Correct. That you're expecting them to stay five years. If you're going to redshirt them, you want them to play the next four years beyond this. And so I just wonder how many will do that. I I think that I I like the idea of of both the Cruz brothers. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I, I would I could see them being around here because I don't think either one is quite what their father was in terms of a pro process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least not yet. But you mentioned also not putting freshmen on special teams. Maybe that's by necessity to protect them, but also by putting a lot of starters on special teams or, or twos. It has paid off. Um, it paid off in a touchdown yep. <laughs> the yep. other week. And, and it was something Michael Martin pointed out during the broadcast and and uh, something we asked Bielma about, too. Is just he, you know, he, he, he points to the story of Dallas Clark on, on special teams before he ever became what he eventually was as an NFL player. And he was just a special teamer. But Sidney Brown helped make that play happen and get a touchdown against Virginia. He, he likes to have starters on two in two phases if he can yep there's so many different ways to approach this thing because you know that that's why it's fascinating because look at the transfer portal you also have this idea of guys who thought they were going to play that aren't playing that after their freshman year and they were forced into a no play red shirt then they say look i I don't think i'm gonna i thought i was going to come in here these coaches sold me on coming in here and playing as a freshman they didn't even play me once i'm i'm gonna look elsewhere i can i can go somewhere else next year and play and so they'll do that so you know do you use those four games to keep guys happy i mean do you use those games to say you know maybe it's not at illinois but you know you're at LSU and you've got this four-star defensive back and he's been on the bench. Do you give him three games as a preemptive thing to make sure he's not looking to transfer after the year? So it's just this thing that coaches can use that has so many different applications as to you know how much you're going to play these freshmen and how much you're pointing toward a red shirt. Too early. I, I, I use the phrase blood in the water, Big Ten West looks more up for grabs than we even thought, even though a lot of conference play has not started yet. But is a window a little wider for a team like showing vulnerability. Yeah. There's enormous vulnerability in in, uh, in the West. The only team that hasn't shown vulnerability is the only team that played three of the worst opponents you could possibly have. That's Minnesota. You know, like Minnesota's number, you know, three and oh, and they're all this, but like the three opponents they played, I'm telling you, Northwestern would be three and oh against Indiana would be three and oh against Minnesota's. Every team in the Big Ten would be three and oh against Minnesota's schedule. So, um, you know, Nebraska would be three and oh. So it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to, it's the one team that looks like the front runner right now. You just don't know anything about because, 
like I, I I don't want to overemphasize how bad their schedule is, but I think like Chattanooga coming in here, I think Chattanooga would be three and zero had they played Minnesota's three opponents. They played three horrific <laughs> opponents. I, I know Western Illinois was one of them. I can't remember the other two. Off the uh, New Mexico head. State and Colorado, and Colorado oh, has been a Colorado's going to be looking for a coach. Yeah, here Colorado is looking like an zero and twelve team. I mean, they might be looking for an AD. Well, I Michigan, well, I don't know. I I think he's pretty solid. The money he's raised down there, I don't think they're going to. Yep. But but um, when the Michigan State coach left, he left them high and dry. I mean that that created a situation, and Carl Durrell just he just can't he can't get it straightened out. Yep. And so the, there's no question they'll have to do something there. Yep. Yeah, it's it's an interesting scenario because I mean Minnesota could be really good. They could be like a ten and two team. We just wouldn't know. Well, yet yeah, a really good anybody. team would go three and zero. But yes. your point is a really bad team would also go three and zero. Yes, correct, correct. So it's just it's just hard to know. And so you know Iowa's offensive circles and Purdue's the new Nebraska just keeps losing every close game. Even the games they seemingly have in hand, they they blow it late. And you know obviously Wisconsin had that stunning loss at home to Washington State and. And, you know, Nebraska looked like they had quit on the season on Saturday. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting, interesting uh, turn of events for what this uh, you know, what this there are people look that are like. really out to get Chris up there in, in, in Madison. He's, yeah. he's not a coach that has the personality to really uh, influence the fans. I would agree to with impress that. Impress the fans. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of dry. Yes, but uh, you know, as long as they can run the, the the you know the system that they run for a quarter of a century, it works. Yeah. Well, but, uh, I was also. I, I don't think Chris is going anywhere, but I'll just tell you they're 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 rumbling and they'll be rumbling uh, even more after Saturday night, and they may be rumbling when we go in there. Yep. When uh, when I was in Iowa City, there was an Iowa City staffer uh, somebody who worked in athletics but that's just somebody who's involved in athletics over there who just was kind of grumbled oh well the football team well we always go eight and four or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i thought if the next time illinois goes eight and four there's going to be a statue built yes <laughs> yes um yes. you know it's just always the, the the grass is always greener somewhere else um if, if if this year ends up eight and four which is really not out of the realm of possibility and i will mm-hmm grant a texter's comment here that Illinois could also easily go three and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if that happens, that is a huge turnaround. That is all the momentum in the world. Yes. I think, you know, the careful what you wish for, Nebraska has got to be the greatest example of that in history, right? I mean, they, they have Frank Solich, and he's not quite Tom Osborne, and so he loses his job. They make the disastrous hire of... Uh, Oh. Callahan. Yeah, Callahan. They get rid of that. They get Bo Pelini, and he wins 9, 9, 9, 10, <laughs> 9, 9, and that's not good enough. You know, just what we mentioned, like, oh, we go 8 and 4. Every, you know, they're like, we're Nebraska. We need to compete for titles. And now look at, you know, they still are selling out stadiums of 80,000 people, and it's been a decade, and and they they went 3 and 9 last year. It might be 2 and 10 this year. It's just, it's incredible how how, you know, uh, you can go from a firing a coach that wins nine games every year because he's only winning nine games every year, and now you're where you're at. Auburn's a bit that way too. Yes, yes. All I right. mean, Auburn's the place where the boosters run the program, and it's uh, uh, probably an example that that doesn't work the best. Nah. 
All right, sir, go get in your pool. Are you? Uh, do you? Do you move about in the pool? Do you just stick a toe in? Do you? Do you? Wait? I am a float around on one of the mega noodles kind of guy. <laughs> uh, so I don't do much. Uh, I mean, it's the best thing about it. I'm telling you, is when you mow the lawn, and I I tend to sweat a little bit outdoors. I don't know if you know that about me. Um, and so, you mow the lawn, you jump in the pool. It's the greatest feeling on earth. It's like you don't have to shower before you get in your pool because it's your pool. Correct, correct. I just dump the pool shock in, and I get rid of all my sweat, and we're good. So, <laughs> chlorine or bromine? Uh, I'm a chlorine guy. So, yeah, I've learned a lot in the last three years of having this thing. <laughs> Well, you should get some use out of it today yet. Yes, two more days and then it's fall. I got one question before you go. Yep. When Rick George starts looking, will he he take a peek at Ryan Walters, who is in a Colorado park? That's a fantastic question. Um, I think he would. It would be, what's Walters' current age? Is he 35? He's a little on the young side. A little young. Yeah. It's not unprecedented. Yeah. But, I mean, look at the NFL now. Every coach is yeah. in their 30s. So. Um, yeah, I think he would. I I feel like Rick George would be hesitant to not go with somebody who's run a big-time program mm-hmm. before. Yeah. J- just a coordinator hire and a coordinator. But, yeah, because, but he's Mr. Col- you know, Walters is Mr. Colorado football. Like, he's, yeah. you know, he's... he's you know he's son of and and born and bred around the program and played there and and uh yeah yeah that it, it i feel like it would be maybe 3 or 4 years early for that call for Colorado but i uh, do too and and i i don't know if he if he has the right personality to be a head coach as much as he as as a coordinator because he's he he isn't as um oh i don't know uh, it's just his whole personality yeah he's kind of He's kind of soft-spoken. Is that fair? I think it's fair. I mean, he's yeah. There, there are soft-spoken coaches who have been, but he doesn't have the personality of the, you know, take the mic and manage the manage the visible yeah. parts of the program, and uh, he, he doesn't have that personality. But good lord, he's proven to be a hell of a coach. So yeah, yeah, and, he's, and he seems like a really feet on the ground type of person too. Oh yeah, yeah. yep. Okay, sir. We'll see you Thursday night. Sounds good. Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. There's no reason I think he wouldn't be a good head coach, but he has not proven it because he's never done it, and that's where it would be a risk on the part of a school like Colorado. Yeah, they've got a. I don't know if they could pull the. They've got to they start could sell over. It. Tucker just left them in the in the in the wake, and he slipped out on them and went to Michigan State at a time when he hadn't been there that long, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think they just got fooled. I think it'd be a little bit like. Maybe hiring Nate Shieldhouse to be a head coach here at Illinois. Oh, it's like I liked him. I, I you know, he's done a good job where he's gone, but he's never been a head coach. Mm-hmm. And that's where it would be. It's a whole new ball game when you're yep. the head guy. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow, sir. Evans in for the next hour. News Talk fourteen hundred ninety three nine FM WDWS Champagne Urbana.